welcome to another edition of Problematic Women, a show that showcases strong conservative women, current events, and the hypocrisy of the feminist left. My name is Kelsey Harkness, and I'm a senior news producer with The Daily Signal and a visiting fellow with the Independent Women's Forum. And I'm Bree Payton, staff writer over at The Federalist and friend of The Daily Signal. So today we're going to be talking about the Trump administration floating a proposed change to Title IX that would recognize sex and gender as biological realities rather than one that is tied to one's gender identity. We're also going to be talking about Meghan Markle, who thinks that women have a right to a college education, and the first female Supreme Court justice who is stepping away from public life. But first, let's get into this proposed change to Title IX. So under the Obama administration, the Department of Education amended Title IX by sending letters to every single school district across the country um, saying that schools must um, allow students to use whatever restroom or gym, you know, locker room kind of facilities that corresponds with their gender identity, not with their biological sex. So they kind of amended what sex means um, and that, you know, it is based off one's gender identity. It is based off of what one thinks, what one feels rather than biological reality, rather than something that is assigned at birth. And that happened. um, I I think it was 2015 is when they sent the letters um, to every single school district across the country, you know, from higher education on down to kindergarten. Um, And this forced schools to basically conflate one's sexual identity with something other than biological uh, reality. And so the Trump administration has recently floated a proposal to potentially roll back the Obama administration's change to what it was before then, that men are men, women are women, and that's something that's assigned biologically, and that's something that you know is stated on your birth certificate and is assigned at birth. Title IX, we should remember, um, was brought about and disseminated across all institutions that receive um, taxpayer dollars, uh, institutions of learning that receive taxpayer dollars. And basically, it just said that women who are going to be in schools need to be treated and have the same access to the same things as men in schools. So what happened, this changed a lot to athletic programs and different things like that to make sure that female students had access to the same teams, the same facilities, the same everything as men. So that's kind of what that is. And there was a lot of controversy and back and forth with the Obama administration change. Um, A lot of people saying that this kind of undid Title IX and changed the intention of it, which was to protect and make sure that women get equal treatment to accommodate biological men. Um, Anyway, So since the Trump administration decided to announce it might roll back the Obama era change to that, there's been a lot of controversy. The New York Times ran an article with the headline along the lines of the Trump administration is going to erase or delete transgender um, as a concept from the way of life. Well, it said it suggested that uh, the Trump administration is going to erase these people. Right. And my question for them is. What was the status of these people prior to the Obama administration's Dear Colleague letter? Were, did they exist then? Because basically what this is, is going back to a reversal prior to the Obama administration. It's nothing new. It's going back to the old. Yes. And also that that gives us a peek into the progressive mentality, right? That one's identity, one's status, one's, you know, 
status as a person, as a human being that exists in one's right, is something that comes from government and is defined by legislation, is defined by Title IX or some of these different regulations, right? It's not, I, I am this way because I am born this way and this is who I am, right? The concept of natural rights, you and I have... Um, have the right to speak, the right to worship, the right to assemble freely because we were given those rights by God and because we exist in the eyes of reality, right? The fact that they think that their identity and personhood and status as a person is tied to a legislation gives us a peek into that mindset as well. One important thing to note about this story is that this New York Times report was baked on a uh, baked, (laughs) it was baked, (laughs) half baked. It was based on a leaked memo. This isn't anything finalized. This is something that has uh, been drafted and I'm sure has been the topic of much of discussion and disagreement among uh, the entire Trump administration. I imagine uh, people like Jared and Ivanka uh, did not want something like this uh, going forward. And there are certainly, um, you know, with even within Uh, conservatives, there are some reasonable disagreements about once you're 21 years and older, if you actually do go through a whole entire sex reassignment surgery and take the steps of going to uh, going to the DNV and, and 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 legally formally changing your identity, should you be uh, allowed to, you know, use bathrooms, locker rooms, whatever that corresponds to what you um, have changed your body to be. Um, and so I, I think what's unfortunate about this story is that, um, you know, since it was leaked, we don't fully know where the Trump administration stands on it. But a lot of people are, are taking this memo at face value and drawing a lot of conclusions when um, when clearly it wasn't ready to be made public yet. Yes, absolutely. But I but I do know there are a lot of people who are uh, who were encouraged by this step because, Um, A lot of conservatives thought the Obama administration went way too far, um, you know, in this. And we're seeing the repercussions of that play out in America today. We've seen uh, biological men who identify as girls uh, winning uh, sports, sports tournaments. Um, This happened, I believe, just last week. We saw a big story and uh, the, the girl who got third place expressed some disappointment in what happened. And of course, she was chastised in the media and uh, had to walk back her disappointment, um, which I personally think is incredibly unfair. I, I would uh, <laughs> I would feel a little bit frustrated if a biological man uh, beat me in some sort of sports competition. But, um, you know, this is this is the reality of the world today. And this issue is not going away. And um, I think we will see the Trump administration try to move in it in the coming uh, coming months, coming years. Um, but I think they deserve time to work it out amongst themselves what proposal they really want and instead of having it being leaked to the press. Absolutely. And I know we have to move on, but I just really quickly, I wrote a story a couple of weeks ago about um, a six-year-old girl who was sexually, said she was sexually assaulted in the, her school bathroom by an individual who is genderqueer. Um, and when she complained about it, and when her mom complained about it, Child Protective Services did an investigation into the mom as the one who did something wrong in that equation. Um, yeah. And then when I called the school to ask them about that and asked if it was important for survivors to be believed, um, I was told that no sexual assault was happened, no sexual assault happened, um, and that her story is irrelevant and doesn't matter and things like that. 
So I definitely think that we need to take a step back and say, what did this change do? And did it benefit the women that Title IX was supposed to protect? Anyway, speaking of absolutely things happening with women. <laughs> well, okay. I'm going to drag this topic on for one more point. Uh, I've covered the, you know, Brie, you, you and I have both covered this issue probably more than we would have uh, would have liked. And I have to say one area where I've actually spoken with transgender individuals on where I find that I'm able to open the door and have a conversation with them about is the uh, push to add transgender ideology in uh, very young classrooms, as young as kindergarten and grade school. And I've approached, you know, I've approached these individuals who I've spoken with um, by saying, look, we might have disagreements on, um, you know, how by how, how sex should be defined. But as as someone who hopes to be a parent, but I'm not a parent yet. But, you know, as as parents, don't we have the right to decide when our children are introduced to these very complicated topics? Um, when when my child is just learning how to tie his or her shoes, um, that child's probably not ready for the issue of gender identity yet. But we've seen uh, this being play this playing out all across the nation where um, I'm, as young as kindergarten, Children are being introduced to the issue of gender identity, and there's the concern that, um, you know, you see you're a kindergartner, you see your classmate getting a bunch of attention um, because they're identifying as transgender. It seems like the cool thing to do. And there's a question, which we don't fully know yet, is is there a social contagion factor? Because there's one transgender child, will other children want to identify as transgender too? So for all those listening who might be you know, having this conversation around the Thanksgiving dinner table soon about the issue of um, hopefully people aren't talking about this at Thanksgiving. They, they but if you are, hopefully they sadly. aren't. But you know, if you're like my family, you probably are. And you know, I think that's. I think we need to um, find those areas where we can maybe open the door and see eye to eye and understand each other's concerns. And I think um, you know, the concern about introducing these issues to children as young as kindergarten is a good place to start. Okay, now I promise I will actually move on. Anyway, we're going to talk about Meghan Markle now. And she delivered her first royal tour speech to students and staff at the University of the South Pacific earlier this week. And in it, she said, quote, everyone should be afforded the opportunity to receive the education they want. Um, but more importantly, the education they have the right to receive. So this is interesting and raises the question, what is a right and what is not? Kelsey, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it was I, I actually found this soundbite sort of hidden on a People magazine story that I was reading about her outfit she was wearing in Fiji. Very cute Islander outfit. And I thought it was interesting. You don't often hear, um, you know, anyone of British royalty really giving speeches. And so I was thinking, well, what did what did Meghan Markle actually say? And I'm like, I, you know, I'm all for empowering women to um, have better education. There are far too many countries where women um, lack any education or many times, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but in, in Africa, when it's that time of the month for a high school girl, she actually has to stay home because their culture considers it so shameful. That Can you time imagine of the month. missing those many days of work and school? No. And that it's still happening today. Yeah. You know, it sounds like something that would happen a hundred years ago, but it's happening right now. Nobody talks about it. So, uh, Brie, you and I should talk about it more, but you know, nobody, nobody wants to hear about that, but it's one of those topics that 
I believe we have an obligation to bring attention to. So anyways, I think I agree where I'm going with this is I think I agree with Meghan Markle in many ways. And I love seeing someone of her statue um, delivering this message. But, you know, she should have just ended it. at Everyone should be afforded the opportunity to receive the education they want. Absolutely agree. She took it too far when she said, more importantly, the education they have the right to receive. Fun fact, in the U.S. alone, only two-thirds of, uh, or two-thirds of individuals don't even have bachelor's degrees. So I assume a lot of them want, uh, an edu- want you know, some of them wanted to, to go to college and whatnot. Um, they, you know, didn't have the means. Uh, that doesn't mean they have a right to do that. So we are in the most privileged, successful um, society in the world here in the United States. And not everyone in the United States even wants to go to college and not everyone in the United States clearly has the right to go to college. And somehow our society is functioning just fine. So I find I find this comment very problematic because um, it suggests that a college education is the only path to upward mobility. I think um, education, you know, K through K through 12 is very, very important for girls and, and boys to develop. But college education is not a right. It's it's a privilege. And it's not even a privilege that everybody needs. You can be very successful in life without a college degree. Yeah. My dad doesn't have a bachelor's degree. He has like the equivalent of a certificate that equates to an associate's degree. Um, but he didn't go to college to get that degree. Right. He got it through like kind of a trade school um, program that was integrated into his high school experience. But anyway, he owns like a company now and employs like a bunch of people and is very successful in what he does. Um, In fact, some of the most successful people that I know personally decided not to go to college at all. Um, So that's something that, you know, I think we need to be talking about. And as we are talking about the watering down, academically speaking, in a lot of institutions, um, You know, I think that people are going to decide more and more that that's not the right path for them. And I think that, you know, people should be empowered to make their own decisions and shouldn't have to pay for someone else to get that opportunity. Right. Like right now, colleges are being subsidized up the wazoo through Title IX, through all these other programs. And people who didn't go to college are subsidizing the education of people that are deciding to go to college. I don't think that that's fair. I don't think that that's right. Um, I don't think that that's something that, you know, we should all be forced to pay, um, especially when a lot of schools are pushing different ideological or political perspectives or different things like that. I don't think that I should necessarily be paying for those institutions to do those things via taxpayer dollars. I think that that's something that we should talk about privatizing. I agree. And this is a point you and I were discussing earlier. It seems like a very dangerous path that we've been going down for some time uh, to hear prominent leaders, prominent voices conflate the ideas of a right and a privilege. Yes. And you know, you mentioned this earlier and it made me laugh. And, you know, I'm, I guess I'm going to say it on this podcast, but feminists now think that tampons are right. Yes. You know, free tampons Birth control are right. Are right. Birth control Hair products are right. are right. We're not joking. These are things yeah. that people are saying are rights. And we have to step back and say, what is the purpose of government and what, what are rights? In my perspective, rights are some things that 
they're things that I'm born with. They're not things that I'm given to via government. They're things that I'm given to by my creator. They're things I'm born with. They're things that God has given me. And that is the right to live and not have my, you know, safety or my, my existence. Like I, 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 you shouldn't kill other people. Right. And imposing a judicial system that protects your physical safety, that protects your right to life. You protects your right to liberty, protects your right to pursuit of happiness. I have the right to um, participate in whatever organized religion that I want to do. I, I have a right to speak. These are things that I have a right. I don't have a right to education. I don't have a right to tampons. I don't have a right to food. I don't have a right to housing. Those are that's where the conversation is right now. Those are not rights. Those are things that we can earn. Those are things that we can give one another. But those aren't things that you're born with that are integral to you as a human being. Absolutely. You have the right to pursue things that will make you happy. And uh, college education might be one of those things. But that does that does not mean you are born with the right to pursue the a college education. And um, Meghan Markle, someone who's been involved in the U.N. on women's issues. And I would think as someone who is exposed to the difference of a human right versus uh, a, a, a want or a privilege of going to a college education, she would maybe know that. Um, so, you know, hopefully she's listening to this podcast, Brie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, very quickly, we wanted to mention Sandra Day O'Connor, who is the first woman who was ever appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court, sadly this week announced that she is withdrawing from public life. She revealed that she has been diagnosed with dementia. Um, O'Connor was appointed to the Supreme Court by Ronald Reagan in 1981, and she was often the swing vote throughout her tenure on the court. So we are wishing her the best. Um, it, it was a very sad announcement, um, and we want to keep her in our prayers. Absolutely. Keep her and her family in our thoughts and in our prayers. With that, we have to take a really quick break, so don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll crown our problematic woman of the week. Hi, and welcome back to Problematic Women. And this is the part of the show where we're going to crown our problematic woman of the week. Okay, so this week, our problematic woman is a New Jersey mom named Coberly Bull of Lumberton, New Jersey, who was credited with stopping a potential school shooting in Kentucky. So she received a couple of really nasty messages on Facebook from this guy randomly attacking like the race of her children and going after, you know, what her kids looked like and how they were terrible and how she was he was going to, you know, harm them and all these crazy, terrible, weird things um, riddled with threats of safety um, to her and to her family. So she alerted authorities about what was going on, um, sent them the Facebook messages And then police looked into that, figured out that he was in Kentucky. And then when they arrived on the scene, they searched his car, they searched his house, and they found a Kevlar vest, 200 rounds of ammo, and like a 100-round high-powered magazine, and a detailed plan of attack. So officials say that they believe that he was planning to carry out a school shooting at a nearby school. Um, The suspect has been arrested, and he faces several charges. So when she was praised for her efforts, this is what Coberly said. I'm not a guardian angel. I'm not a hero. I'm a mom. 
saying I, she's not a hero. She's just a mom. Well, guess what? Moms are heroes. Every day, and especially this one. It's really just scary to think about that there could have been another mass school shooting. And this story really shows that one person can make a difference. This is why it's so important to alert authorities. And also, it's encouraging to me to see authorities take that alert seriously because uh, you can look up you can look up the story and uh, they they posted online some of the threats that she received. And you can, in a way, see police writing it off and not doing anything um, with this alert. But they took it very seriously. They followed it. And uh, the police, too, may have helped to stop a, a school shooting. Um, she So she also she has three children. They are biracial. She's white. And um, sadly, I read in a story that her husband passed. Um, oh my so she has three adorable children and, um, yeah, this, this, this guy was sending threatening messages about the race of her biracial children. It's very, very strange story, but we wanted to highlight it, um, really to show what a difference it can make to flag anything suspicious that you see on Facebook. Uh, it turned out that this guy, his Facebook profile, he was holding a weapon in it and, um. And, you know, he sounded like he was planning something really awful. And so, you know, in in the spirit of reporting and um, doing all we can as society to be a part of the answer, we wanted to bring this to you to know that anything you do, anything you bring to law enforcement's attention really can save lives. Absolutely. And that's kind of what happened with the Parkland shooting in Florida. Police showed up at, you know, the shooter's door numerous times because of different threats and different alerts and different suspicious activity, right? So see something, say something. That's always a great message to live by. And with that, a great message to end on. Exactly. That wraps up our show. So thank you all for tuning in. And as always, if you know a problematic woman, please let us know. You can follow my work at The Daily Signal on Twitter at Kelsey J. Harkness and on Instagram at Capital Yoga Girl. And you can read all of my work over at thefederalist.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Brie underscore Payton. You can follow me on Instagram at BC Payton. Um, this podcast is a collaboration of The Daily Signal and of The Federalist and is produced by Lauren Evans of The Daily Signal, who you can follow on Twitter at Lauren E. Liz Evans. If you like this podcast, please support us by rating and subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you sharing it with your friends and for supporting strong conservative women who are standing up for America's culture. Have a good one.